joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. She is an incredible woman of God. She and her husband have meant so much to Brittany and I. Uh, for the past years, and I'm so blessed to know you, and I want you all to just kind of stand up and give a warm welcome to the legend, Melissa Sawatsky. Don't shake your head. Wow. <laughs> he raised the bar really, really high. <laughs> Well, it's, um, you know, I'm just loving summer right now. I don't know about everybody else. Um, I know there's a few complaints out there around the heat, but I'm loving it. So I hope as we, um, part of our seasons is also understanding seasons in church life. So we've kind of changed it up for our summers. We've brought everybody together to supersize our services to one service. We've um, wanted to hear from people that are part of our body, that are giving, that are serving. Um, And it's all about um, just people being given the opportunity to share how God has impacted them and how they're able to give that back. And um, I've enjoyed and I love being part of this body. We've been here for 13 years now, and uh, I can't believe how fast time has flown, but uh, walked through many different stages of of where we are as a family, as a body, but um, it's really my privilege this morning and such an honor to be able to share a little bit of my story. Um, We all have a story, which is really cool. Uh, One of the things that's been really inspiring for me is um, way back when I've helped out in kids or been part of the kids ministry, um, we've got a theme called the big God story. And the whole part of it is that um, God's telling a story, but he's telling it through our lives. So even when you read the word of God, there's, there's stories, there's people's lives, but it's God telling his story through our lives. And that's what he does in our stories. He's actually, um, he impacts us, he changes us, he calls us. And as we walk that out, we are now a story to be told. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 and verses 2 and 3, part of it just says, your lives are a letter written in our hearts and everyone can read it. Did you know everybody's reading your story? Yeah. When you're driving your car, saying things you shouldn't say. Yeah, it is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on stone, but on human hearts. So I just wanna encourage you this morning as I share some of my story, it's not about me, it's about you recognizing, well, where's God in your life? Where's God, what is he doing in your life right now? And we're all on a journey, we all have a story, and we're all at different stages. So I'm gonna try to, Encapsulate, I won't say how many years of my story um, this morning, but I want um, through what God has done in my life, through what his word says this morning, I hope that you'll hear what God is saying to you this morning. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, I thank you that you love us so much, that you cared enough to come down and walk amongst us and to take every sin, every pain, every hurt, everything, Lord, for us so that we could experience a full life with you. And we want to walk with you this morning, and I pray, God, that as we 
as we journey through our own journeys, Lord God, that we would see your hand and we would see your purpose in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things that I've really loved over these past years is um, listening to people's stories. I don't actually often get to tell my story. Once in a while, I might share a little snippet here and there if I'm in conversation and it comes up. But I love asking people stories. Um, being on staff and, and uh, pastoral ministry, Tim and I get to meet a lot of people. We do a lot of pre-marriage. We do a lot of uh, connecting. And the first thing we love to ask is, tell us your story. Who are you? What, what brought you here? What's going on in your world? Um, and it's just so encouraging. And I, one of the things I want to encourage you as you leave here this morning is consider asking those around you, what's your story? Find out because you know what? When you start to share your story, you actually start to connect the dots. And you start to realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm not alone. Actually, God has a purpose in my life, and there are things happening. But if you never share it, it just stays inside, and you just kind of keep plodding along, and you, it's very hard to see what God is doing in your world. So I'll just give a, a, beef ba a brief background. Um, I am four of five kids and uh, grew up in a very loving home and supportive parents, um, but it was... Somebody told me once when I told them where I was in the birth order that I'm kind of one of those anomalies because I'm middle, but I'm also oldest. So I have three older brothers and a younger sister. Plus, there's about almost five years between me and my youngest older brother. So for anybody who knows me, that explains a lot. Just leave it at that. <laughs> um, but we, you know, the biggest thing that um, inspired me in my family was watching my parents in their faith. Um, a lot of times when you say somebody, tell your story, tell your testimony, and it's like, oh, I don't have one. Because we always think, well, it's about all the bad that went on before God got a hold of you. Um, I am so thankful that I didn't have to have a lot of bad. But I just have to say that my parents had a lot of bad. <laughs> um, you know, both raised in very broken home situations and, you know, starting out on their own and, and discovering what life is about and um, coming to know Christ after having, I think, three kids um, and just journeying and how alive it was. It wasn't just a religious form. It wasn't something that, oh, it did start out with, I think, them wanting to just go to church that it was a good thing to go to church back then. Now it's kind of not talked about <laughs> going to church. But, uh, you know, God got a hold of them, and watching them actually did something for me. So when people ask me, I know when Pastor Lauren shares his story, and he talks about salvation, and it's that moment, I'm like, I don't have a salvation moment. It was always... I grew up believing, because I saw a real faith in my parents, and it was like, you know what? I think I do believe in Jesus. He is real. I do know that he takes care of me and he, he covers my sin and he, he walks with me and, and he's with me. But along that way, we have a will and we start to exercise that. And so things can come in and before you know it, you're actually kind of walking sideways. And for me, that happened in my early teen years. And um, as well as my dad was also a pastor. So I was really struggling with how to live out my faith as a young teenager. And of course, 
Um, we talk about peer pressure. It exists for all ages, but it hits you pretty hard in your teen years. And I remember really feeling this, the tension and the pull to, to not be some way, somebody different while I'm at church or in home and then somebody different at school. And I walked that for a little while. And I think we've all been there where it's like, well, I'm around this set of people, so I'm going to act this way. And uh, it was in that season of 12 to 13 years old that um, I realized that God was speaking to me and saying, um, you need to make a choice. You need to make a decision. And uh, with that decision, actually, it was um, because the opportunity to be water baptized was happening. And I thought this was really cool when... Um, when Pastor Lauren asked about uh, different speakers for the summer and threw out a couple dates and then got asked if the 30th would work and I was like, sure, and then find out it's Baptism Sunday. I'm like, that's awesome because that's really where my story begins with Christ. Um, when I decided to say yes, I knew by taking a step, by publicly declaring my faith, I couldn't walk the fence anymore. I had to make a decision. And so it was like, it was, it was tough. It was like, okay, um, if I do this, I'm not going back. So I did it. <laughs> and it was like God planted a deep seed inside of my heart at that point. Um, a few months after that, I was at a summer camp and um, had another revolutionary experience where I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And those two things put me on a course that has, um, I haven't looked back. And if you haven't yet experienced that course that God has for you, that purpose, this morning could be your morning. So I started walking down the path and, and really growing in my faith, um, lost all my friends, obviously, <laughs> um, because those were friends I was doing things with that was contrary to the word of God and what God had put on my heart. Um, also, the whole idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is to fill you with power. So I couldn't help but tell them all about Jesus. And uh, I had some great discussions. I remember sitting in class, having talks, and you know, getting in trouble for talking too much, but just having conversations with, with other students. And um, there was a lonely period. Just putting it out there, there will be a lonely season when you decide to go all out for the Lord. But it, God's faithful. And uh, he doesn't leave you there. In fact, he uses that time to show how close he is for you. And uh, so I spent lots of time um, reading biographies of early saints, people that uh, experienced God in deep ways. I spent a lot of time in the word. Um, this, we sang about it this morning. We sang about Christ being the word. But this is his word. Um, so when you read this, it actually gives you life. It's called the bread of life, actually. So um, those were very formative years. I want to um, read a few scriptures here that just kind of typified where I was at. Uh, Luke chapter 9, in verse 23 to 25. This is Jesus talking. He said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. Love it. Um, I don't know what that speaks to you about. Um, it, depending on where you're at, it might sound a little bit scary. <laughs> um, it talks about losing your life, 
shouldering your cross, in other words, taking responsibility, owning your burden, uh, taking what Christ has done and walking it out. Um, but you know what? The last of that says, you will find true life. One of my favorite verses is John 10, 10, saying, talking about the enemy steals and kills and destroys, but Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I love that word abundant because it's just more and more and more. And it's, you know, that's what he wants to give us. And it actually requires us surrendering our lives. Uh, but when we do that, what we gain is far greater than what we've lost. Um, the beginning of that verse in John 10, 10 says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, um, out in our world today, and especially in our culture, um, we have it pretty good. Um, there doesn't seem like there's a lot of negatives that would hit us. We can have a pretty nice standard of living. We can um, have choices in front of us. We can do all sorts of things. Um, and on the outside, it can look pretty good. And you might find yourself even in a season right now where you're feeling like, oh, life's pretty good. I don't need God. Why would I need God right now? I'm making all these choices. It's working out for me. Unfortunately, it's a deception because the enemy only wants to destroy and to kill you. And that's, a, that is a sobering thought, but there's hope, and that hope is in Christ. So as I journeyed in my walk, um, discovering what my purpose was, God also put a passion in me around um, his word, around people, about loving people. I read this week, it was interesting, I was just reading a book and they have a definition around passion. I thought, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Um, passion is a positive, intense feeling that you experience for something that is profoundly meaningful for you as an individual. Do you know that Jesus meets you right where you're at? He's completely, um, he's for all people, but he's also very individual. Um, it's, he, he's amazing that way. And so the passion that he has put in my heart comes from me knowing his passion for me. And so that's the first step is actually just understanding God's love for you and his passion for you. Part of that has been a journey on learning to listen and obey, being obedient. Um, obedience and goodness go hand in hand um, for God's goodness. It's really interesting because James 1 talks about the goodness of God, and then it also talks about obedience. Um, he uses the word, don't look, when you look in a mirror, you don't walk away and forget what you look like. You should always, when you look in a mirror, the idea is to fix yourself up a bit um, and make a change and do something with it. Well, the word of God is our mirror. And so the test for us is to be obedient. And I know that um, we think of obedience when you think of raising kids and you want your kids to be obedient. Um, but the, the whole purpose behind it is so that you can experience more of Christ and the goodness he has. Um, I know when we were when our kids were little, we used to always try to teach them to not just say okay, but to actually say yes. So that they would actually recognize that when we've asked them for, to do something or do, um, take responsibility, they're actually saying yes to it. They're not just conceding. And God wants us to say yes to him. Um, through my high school years, I just continued on. It wasn't perfect. There were many times that I struggled in my faith, but, you know, God, through his word and through his Holy Spirit, just kept me moving forward and uh, feeling a call to 
people? Like, what does it look like to love people without restraint? What does it mean to serve people? What does it mean to answer a call on your heart? Um, so I started to pursue that and uh, pursue what would that look like. And the interesting thing is that um, dreams and visions, um, we talk a lot about that in our Christian faith. We talk about what's your dream? What has God given you? What's the vision God has for your life? And uh, it can feel a little overwhelming, but you know, it's really simple. Um, where are the passions that God's given you? What things are you interested in? What is, um, what is that driving force that's moving you in a certain direction? Um, but the one thing I learned over the years is that dreams and visions always happen in the context you're in at the time. So being 17, 18 years old, I was dreaming of things as a single young adult teenager moving forward and wanting to serve God in that context. And it was all good. It, it actually got me moving. That's the other key that God always gave me is that dreams and visions actually give you motivation to move. So you don't stay in one spot. They actually motivate you to move forward with Christ. But as time went on, things change. Circumstances change. And, uh, you know, I always thought, well, one day I'll probably get married. Yeah, we'll see. Probably I'll have kids. Yeah, it's all good. And, of course, God, down the road, that all happened. Um, but in that, obviously, things change. I'm all of a sudden not this 18-year-old that can just pick up and go and go help out in some sort of mission or do anything like that. All of a sudden, I've got responsibilities. I've got kids. I have a husband. Now there's two of us. That's a whole other thing. When there's two of you being in unity and having a dream and a vision together, it's, it's awesome, but it's a whole different ballgame than when it's by yourself. <laughs> Um, but, you know, so, my, so the visions and dreams shifted and changed, and even in seasons, even of um, what was prayed this morning around what season are you in. There's different seasons that God takes you through. But anything that I've known that I've seen is that through every season and through every step I've taken, God has made provision. And it's not just about um, necessarily a financial provision. It's actually provision for everything that you need Hebrews 4, 1 to 6, or 1, sorry, Hebrews 4, 16, says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. We can come boldly to him, and he provides everything we need, whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally, God meets our need. God has been more than faithful in every area. And I want to just share a few stories um, within my story of how God has done that. Um, God uses many different ways to meet our needs. And one way for me as I pursued him and desired to do what he wanted was um, work. God provides through jobs, provides through work. And uh, because I knew I wanted to go and experience cross-cultural missions, and I didn't know how I was going to be able to afford to do that. And, you know, God, for a season, provided me not with one job, but three jobs. And I remember it being, I think there's a few people here that have probably been through that. It was like early in the morning till later in the day, and that's what I did, seven, well, five days a week, I guess, I worked those long days, and I went from one job to the next job to the next job. Um, but you know what? It, um, it was just how God provided, because I was able to, 
take a step of faith and go and be part of a, a foreign mission that I wasn't familiar with and step out and experience God in a new way. And he provided for that. Um, simple things like um, I traveled with a, another mission organization that was a discipleship training school. And, uh, you know, not having a lot of money. You're on the road all the time. And uh, thinking, I need deodorant. <laughs> I got no deodorant, and it's bad. When you're traveling with about 10 to 12 other young adults, yeah, deodorant's kind of important. And I was, I was like, Lord, I don't know. I don't know where the money's going to come from. And um, I was, that morning, somebody just gave me a handful of cash and said, here's some, some mad money. We, were, we had half a day off that day, and I was like, I can get deodorant. Oh, and I can go get lunch. It was great. <laughs> it's, such, it's such a little thing, but you know what? It's those little things that build your faith. And you have to take account for those. You have to recognize it's those little things that God does in your life that will actually propel you onto the next thing. Um, you know, another story around uh, early on in our marriage, I think we just had our one daughter at that time, and we were away and uh, get a phone call that our hot water tank had blown. Um, we were youth pastoring um, in a small church in a small town, not making very much money, didn't have any savings at the time, and our hot water tank blew. And it was like, huh, how are we going to take care of that? Um, but literally within 24 hours, a um, insurance claim that we had from a car accident, we were waiting, um, waiting on the deductible showed up in our mailbox for the exact amount. So you can't, you know, again, it's those little things. It's, you can't orchestrate the timing of God, but God knows it. So he knows beginning to end how to take care of those things when you're obedient, when you walk out. He's always good and faithful. Um, hearing God's call is particular to each person. I love the word adventure. I love the idea that I'm on an adventure. Um, some people, that might actually scare them. They're much more content to be like, no, I like it safe. I like my home. I like it comfortable. Um, and that's okay. God's wired you a certain way, and if that's the way you're built, what your adventure is is going to look different from the next person. But the fact that God has you on a journey and wants to express his story through your life means that he's got some good things in store for you. And really, it just boils down with being sensitive to hear what his Holy Spirit is saying to you. And most, 99.9% .9 of the time, it starts with this. Um, God will use other people. He may use some circumstances once in a while, but it boils down to when you hear what he says to, in the word of God and it clicks with your heart, that's him speaking. And you step out and you do it. Um, a significant time in Tim and my life was when um, we heard the call to actually move to Calgary. So sometimes God calls you to a place. Sometimes he calls you to a people. Sometimes he, he calls you to a specific job or um, something you need to be putting your hand to or um, whatever. But a lot of times to really... Um, fulfill what he has for you, you have to be obedient to actually step out and move, um, to take that step of faith. And uh, we've often talked around this place around um, knowing who your people are. If God's called you to a place and a people, to be true there and to dig in and to create family. And so we felt this nudge, um, not just to Calgary, but also to this, to this community of believers. 
And we're like, okay, I think we're supposed to say yes, God. So what does that look like? Well, it wasn't easy. Um, it was about a year and a half, almost two years process because we had to sell our house. And it's funny when you have a house, when you go to sell it, you have to do all the things you were meant to do before you decided to move. So we had some fixing up to do. <laughs> and uh, so we did that. And it also took time to sell in a smaller community where the market wasn't moving quickly. Um, it wasn't like you put the sign up and you're getting offers within a couple weeks. It took a few months um, for it to actually, I think probably six months before it sold. But in that process, um, there were things that God was putting in place. So part of it was is moving from um, the town of Swift Current, Saskatchewan, where everything's stable, stays the same, um, selling our house there and trying to move into the Calgary market, which we know, even in the slow times, there's still some momentum. So when we sold our house, um, we knew we needed to be near the church, so we weren't going to go live anywhere else in the city. It had to be somewhere in proximity. Um, little did we know that after we had settled and we'd gone to a bank, we were sorting some things out and we were asking them um, why there was two of the banks in the same location. And they said, well, you see your postal code? That's like the richest postal code per capita in all of Canada. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously? How did God move us from swift current where everything's just kind of same to all of a sudden plopping us into um, a high income bracket that we weren't even familiar with. But it was just interesting because it doesn't matter where God calls you because he makes the provision to get there. Um, we um, were just astounded by the miracle that it took to get us here. So our house sold for a third of the price of a house we bought in Calgary. And not only that, um, there was only two houses in the areas we were looking, that was at that time under 200,000. And uh, we were like, God, how are you gonna do this? And we didn't have employment. Um, we had been, we had finished youth pastoring, we had done some work with a mission organization and then uh, Tim had also been working in a school and I was raising three little kids. So we just were like, well, how is this going to work? And then, of course, you get the naysayers. And it's like, oh, you're never going to be able to afford to live in Calgary. Like, it's just, you know, too much. It's built on two-income families. Um, it's built on oil execs, all these things. Um, then there were the other people that were like, oh, you're moving to the big city. There's going to be so much crime. And it's like, <laughs> I know, it just sounds funny. But... Um, all those things, if we had heeded those voices, would have stopped us from moving. But instead, we recognized them for what they were. It was just fear. It was just fear. What had God said and how we're going to keep moving? So God really gave us a miracle in the sense that um, our bank, um, because we had been banking with them for almost 10 years and had a mortgage with them before, they just said, well, all we need is a letter saying you're going to be employed and you're going to make X amount. That's all you need. We didn't need to have the job secured. We just needed to say, you will be doing this. So um, through friends, through lots of different entrepreneurial things, we were like, OK, yeah, I think we've got something that is going to fit the bill. You're going to start out doing that. Um, so they accepted that, accepted all our information, and were able to purchase a house in the richest postal code in Canada, which 
I had no idea at the time. However, God took us on a journey. One of the words that God gave us that we felt God was saying and um, in every season when you're moving forward, we felt like God was taking us from, if you want to use the Israelites in the Old Testament, walking through the desert, moving into the promised land. Now, I know most Albertans already think this is the promised land, but metaphorically, we really felt like, no, this was. And uh, so part of our journey when we moved, we thought, oh, just like Joshua and Caleb seeing all the awesomeness, all the, all the abundance and everything that's going to be ours. Well, we had some giants to slay. <laughs> so if you know the stories at all, after there was some battles that needed to be won and there were giants to be slain. For me, a lot of it came down to God refining. So when you move forward and when you listen to the God's voice in your heart, there's going to be refining periods that he's going to take you through and he's going to start to shift things in you and he's going to start to say, oh, that part of you is not working. You need to cut that off. You need to work on that. Um, for me, some of the things that came up was around parenting. I know we have a number of parents in the room. Nothing like having kids to start to show where your weak points are. And, uh, you know, so there was definitely a season and a time where it was like, I just could not believe I was dealing with the stuff I was dealing with in my heart. Um, things would come up and I'd be like, why am I so angry? What is this about? And then God would say, well, you know, this and this, and you know how um, you like to control certain things, and it doesn't go your way, then it is, makes you angry. I'm like, oh. See, control really is just a manifestation of fear. And so God was really wanting to get to the root of what am I afraid of? What are the fears in my heart? And so, you know, there was a season where God did that, and he was working on that. It hasn't been easy. Nobody, God didn't call us to an easy life, but he called us to a life full of abundance, full of good things. God is good. He only gives good gifts to his children. And so when we follow him, if we keep that in mind, um, he he's meets us every step of the way, wherever you're at. Um, the worship team's gonna come back up and we're gonna get ready for baptisms this morning. And uh, for me, a big part of my testimony was actually taking the step to say, yes, I'm going to make a stand and declare that I am a follower of Jesus. And this morning, maybe you haven't made that decision yet. Maybe there's still this question. It's like, well, I kind of know about God, or I've been to church a few times, Christmas and Easter or whatever, um, but you've never really entered into a relationship with him. Um, it really just takes you saying yes. It takes you being able to say, you know what? I am not perfect. Um, there are things in my life that I'm not proud of, and I'm separated from Christ's love. I, I want to know him. I want to accept what he's done for me. And as, um, as our baptisms happen this morning, this is, you're going to see this firsthand, what this looks like. How when you accept Christ, and what I read this morning about um, in order to have full life, you have to give up your life. Christ gave his life for us. And when these um, three gentlemen come up to get water baptized this morning, that's their testimony. And you're, they're going to talk about it. You're going to hear them. They're going to express it. And they're declaring that they've said yes to the Lord. So wherever you're at this morning, this is your opportunity and saying yes. Maybe you are even struggling with hearing his voice. 
Um, sometimes that sounds a little mystical, a little far out there. How do I hear God? Like I said, it begins with his word, but it also begins with you just being humble enough to say, I need you. It's not about me, it's about you, Lord. I need you. I don't have what it takes. And when you do that, it's miraculous. He comes in and he speaks to you and he comforts you and he meets you at your vulnerability. He meets you at your need. Maybe you're struggling with understanding God's purpose for your life. Um, it's not a mystery. God doesn't want it to be a mystery. Um, sometimes I just have to go back to the basics. Always oh, call me to love him and love people. Okay, that's what I'm doing today. I'm loving God and I'm loving people. And, uh, and through that, he starts to direct and you, and you trust him. And, you know, this morning we're just going to pray and then go into a time of worship. Um, just consider where you are in your journey. Where's your story at? What is God doing in your life? And uh, at the end of the service, we'll have an opportunity to pray together. But let's just close our eyes right now before we go into worship. Why don't we stand together? Lord, I thank you that um, you're not far off. You're actually near. You're close to us. I thank you, God, that you insert yourself into, you came down and you inserted yourself into humanity because you loved us. And you cared so much for us that you paid the price that we couldn't pay ourselves. And so, Lord, this morning, wherever we are at in our journey, Lord, with you, God, you are at work and you are calling us. I pray that our ears would be open this morning to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying right now. What do we need to say yes to, Lord? What is that yes? Maybe it's just saying yes to you for the first time. Maybe it's saying yes again. Maybe it's saying yes to the new step that you've called us to. I just thank you, Lord, that you are with us and you guide us. And as we worship you this morning, Lord, and um, witness these baptisms, Lord, we just want to know you more. And I pray you, um, I thank you that you are making yourself known today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.